What's up, Drop Pod listeners? As always, you can listen to the Drop Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Pods. We are now on Apple Music, Audible, and Pandora as well. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can also find all of our content on YouTube at the Drop Golf Podcast and on our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at the Drop underscore Pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Follow and listen along. This episode is brought to you by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger. Tom Mallon and Randy Tranger are board-certified trial attorneys who share more than 40 years of legal experience. They specialize in personal injury matters, workers' compensation cases, and criminal and municipal defense. As certified trial attorneys, they have recovered millions of dollars on behalf of people injured in accidents and employees injured at work. They have offices conveniently located in Freehold and Point Pleasant. For skilled and personalized legal representation, call Mount and Tranger at 732-780-0230 or check out their website at tmallonlaw.com. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too. This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro and this is Ryan Kulat. What's up everyone? Hope you guys all had a great week. We're back, right? It's both Mike and I. Uh, on the pod this week. We're excited to be here. But before we get into uh, the stuff we got to talk about, make sure you stay on afterwards and listen to our guest. This week's guest is Austin Devereaux. Austin is a two-time MAC individual champion, a four-time All-MAC selection, the 2020 NJSGA amateur champion. He's currently working as the director of outside operations at Manasquan River. But maybe most importantly... He was Mike's partner for the four ball, in case you didn't recognize that name. So make sure you stick around, give Austin a listen to. He gives us uh, some great insight, some stories, and maybe even a little bit of dirt on Mike. So stick around, listen to what he has to say. All right, Mike, welcome back. Thanks, pal. I know we were, we were talking off air. I know uh, we kind of touched upon, uh, or I kind of touched upon it last week, um, Give us your thoughts on the inaugural Women's NJ Open. Yeah, listen, I was following along and, and seeing the names that were in there. You know, I know that you had Ami on, and, and she came and, and talked about amazing things. Or, you know, her little, you know, app that she has that you're able to, like, figure all your stats out analytic-wise is, like, right up my alley. I saw she was in contention. Um, you know, I saw Katie Lou was up there. We, we kind of crossed paths with her at the Cognizant. Yep. You know, I saw Riley Plitz was in the mix finishing with a T15. Like, there was so many names that, you know, one way or another that we crossed paths with. So I just felt like it was like, you know, my duty to keep keep a close eye to see how things were going. And then, you know, as things were winding down, you kind of saw that, you know, Megan Francella, you know, kind of just held on for dear life towards the end there. And, um, you know, kind of withstood his charge from Ami to, to win the inaugural. And, you know, I think... Like a lot of things, I think it was past due that the women's had their own open championship. Um, you know, I know the year that we live in is 2023, so you kind of talk about evolving a little bit. And finally, you know, having something like this for women that they're able to compete against like-minded people um, at a great golf course at Montclair Golf Club. So, you know, it sounded like the event went off extremely smooth. It was obviously very, very close. I mean... Megan only won by one shot over Ami. She only beat Alexis by two. And there was a boatload of people there within five shots. So a great, great event. 
you know, it's it, it's going to be something that, you know, Megan's going to be able to look back for years to come and say she was the first one to, to get her name on that trophy. And I'm sure a lot of these other girls that are and women that played in are, are dying to get their name etched in that stone as well. Yeah, absolutely they are. And I, uh, Mike, I know I talked about it last week and, and I know you listened. That second day scoring, for me, it just shows how how good those like it really separated the the good players from the great players so i think anyone that's playing in there is a good player but when you have when you have what i think it was i think it was eight rounds nine rounds in the 70s and everybody else was was over that it really shows that the course played really tough and those women went out and as you say golfed their golf ball yeah and i mean listen ami Ami's second rounder, in a sense, the final round 73s was huge. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if she looks back to her round one and doesn't make, you know, I saw she had made a double later in her round that, that first day. Um, I take that back. In the final round, she made a double. Um, she looks at that double that she made in that final round. Who knows what could have happened? But like anything, dude, yeah, I counted 10 rounds that were in the 70s, the final day. And I think that's one thing that the average golfer just doesn't realize is, when you're put in pressure situations and every putt matters and every shot matters, you get you get tight and you tense up and mistakes happen. And that's that's competitive golf. And when you're not in that environment and that world and that arena often, and then you throw yourself in there, crazy weird things happen. Right, right, for sure they do. Um, how how overdue is this? Yeah, I think it's way overdue. I like, do. I, I, I mean, because uh, I had said to myself, it's way overdue. But is it? Is it twenty years overdue? Is it thirty no, years that's overdue? Too many. Is I would it say 50? it's too many. So, like, because I, I was shocked when you first brought this up a, a couple weeks ago. I was blown away that the women didn't have their own, their own open. Blown. Away. I mean, it's stunning to me that they that it's twenty twenty three and they didn't have it, especially with the. It's not like golf, women's golf in New Jersey isn't, isn't something that's been around for a while. I, mean, I could understand if, like, let me rephrase. Not that I could understand it, but if it wasn't like we were pumping out great women's golfers on the regular with college golfers that, could, that can compete at this or... Then, then okay, maybe there's not a maybe there's not a forum or it's not big enough, but it's we do that. Right? We have women from all over the state go play in college, and and this should have this should have happened again, a, a, you know, a while ago. Yeah, I think I think also part of it is too is you got to find a sponsor that's willing to pony up the money, you know, because that that's also a, it's a business to some extent, and if if they're not going to get people involved it's hard to come up with a purse for an event you know i think that's that's another catalyst behind maybe why this did not happen because i i agree it's not like we don't have the clientele the the golfer is there okay the the scores show that the the women that have gone through the girls that have gone on to college like it's here like there's no doubt about it but i think sometimes for us that we see it on a smaller scale as to like why it isn't there but we're not involved in the day-to-day, the business side of it. Like, can you get someone to sponsor that event? But, you know, thankfully the NJSGA found somebody. Um, 
And and the event was sounded like it was a home run. And and all you can hope for is is moving forward is that it just continues to grow, continues to get better. Um, but yeah, I think it is kind of overdue. And in, in terms of like how long, I guess that's a debate that you can have. But I would say it's overdue. Yeah. Five years, ten years, I don't know. But I'm glad it, it it's gotten to the point now where there is one, there will be one, and we'll be able to continue to showcase you know the amazing women that we have here in New Jersey. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like better better late than never, right? Like let's like let's correct our mistakes. Like let's you always hear like let's get rid of a bad investment. You know, it, it's before it keeps going down, right? Not that we're doing that here, but like let's 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 rectify this now as opposed to waiting any longer, kind of thing. So again, congrats to Megan Francella on her win, and and as I said last week to our to our girls that we've interacted with on there. Um, that played and it congrats to you as well Matera's Italian Market and Catering Company is located in the heart of Rutherford New Jersey at 72 Park Avenue and has everything you need for an authentic Italian table recently celebrating its 10-year anniversary Matera's Italian Market brings all your senses alive as you walk in the door imported retail products cheeses and cold cuts freshly baked bread and the creamiest fresh mozzarella all can be ordered on the Matera's On Park app in Apple and Google stores. Above the market, a private space called The Loft can be reserved for intimate family parties all the way to corporate events. So give them a follow on Instagram at Matera's Italian Market. Stop by and say ciao. Matera's, you'll walk in a stranger, leave as family. Next week, we got the NJ State Am coming up at Manasquan River. Um, Mike and I have talked. I know he's mentioned it. This is this is one of the four majors in New Jersey golf. Uh, it's at Manasquan River. Um, I, I, Mike's played a, a, a practice round here or there uh, at Manasquan. So we're going we're gonna to deep dive um, the field and, and some things here with Manasquan. So, Mike, the tee sheet came out yesterday or the day before. There are some big groups and I think we should start with the heaviest hitting group in our for us, right? The 12 o'clock time going off on hole one at Manasquan River, Pat Wilson, Jack Wall, Will Celebrity. Big names. Those are those big are names. those are three big names. But we've we've had them all on, and maybe we'll get to a point where that won't be as crazy to me as it is. But right now. That's pretty crazy to me. Yeah, it's funny because I had, I had, I saw the tee sheet, and I was texting with Brad Barton. He's the NJSGA tournament director, and he kind of jokingly said to me, "How about those pairings?" And I said, "Load it, you know, load it." Because when you when you scroll up and down it, and I and I guess I to rewind a little bit. Like we've always said, like our goal is to be the hub for all things golfing in the Garden State, and I think when you look at kind of like where we are now in, in still in, in, in like the short term and you see this T sheet, like we can say on so many occasions, Oh, we've had this person on, we had that person on, we had this person on, they're going to be a guest coming on. And it's like one after another, after another. And then this sheet comes out and it's like, wow, do you see these pairings? Because there's so many that are, that are loaded. And I think that's what, is going to make this tournament truly special is because you have 
so many phenomenal golfers and in my eyes at such a phenomenal golf course that I'm dying to see how things play out. I, I truly am. There's some big hitters, and obviously there's some people who we may not know or some people who you know that, that I don't recognize. But, I mean, you got all the people that we've talked about or talked to, uh, and, then there's, and then there's other people on here who, who, just have, who just have been in all these tournaments. Maybe they haven't won any, but, like, they're names that you constantly come across on here. And it's, it's, just, a, it's just a loaded field. It really is. It is, and, and, it's, and it's crazy because whoever wins, you know, you can guarantee that probably one of the first DMs they receive is from, from us asking you, ready, when do you want to come on the show? <laughs> you know, like, that'll be one of the first things that happens yeah. because, you know, I would love to hear what they thought, how they played, everything about the entire tournament from, from beginning to end. And you really could go through the entire thing and say, oh, yeah, I think he's got a really good chance. And I think he's got a great chance too, because you got guys that are not only, you know, members and very, very familiar with the place from like Jack to Mike Stamberger to, to, to uh, Jerry wall. I mean, we could go on and on Chris Housen. to then you got guys that are on the outside that like, we just talked to Jack Simon a couple weeks ago. Like he's itching to get down there and play like Troy Venucci's like, you know, dying to ch chomping at the bit for his first win. Like Michael Brown's looking for another one. Like you got Austin, our guest is on. Like it is like never ending right. in terms of like big time names. And if you're able to win this tournament with this field at this course, like again, like I'm, I'm dying. I wish it was one of those things that we were able to watch this thing live. Yeah. I, I it would be awesome. I would think that the, the NJSGA would, would live stream one of them they did at at deal uh they did troy's group that opened that first day it was like troy and pat and i'm blanking on the third but i feel like they were that was also one of our guys too um but either way like that day was you know, they live streamed it for a while on that day uh, listen it's it's really going to be awesome uh as you said there's a bunch of guys from manasquan that are playing and I'll tell you, I, I don't I, I keep going back and forth with this. I wonder if the pressure of winning at your own club is quantifiably like we talk about the pressure that that you have in, in like a tournament or a final round, but like like if Austin or Jack are are in one of the final groups and up near the top of the leaderboard on the last day, does that pressure of playing and winning at your home course, does that does that get to you at all, or does that like not get to you? But is that a quantifiably like you're nervous anyway? It's got to make you more nervous, right? I guess that's what 100%. I'm trying to say. It's got to be. I, it's got to be like. But I'm saying, how much more nervous are you? Are you nervous? Way or more. Like twice as way nervous. More. So, oh yeah, so, I think you're way more because it's not only it's not only the home course. You got to listen to everybody say, you know, the golf course in and out. You probably got members walking around watching you because they're rooting for you to win because you're part of their club. There's so much more that goes into it where if I'm an outsider, there's really no expectations. Yeah. No one's really following me. Maybe some family and a significant other, if they're even there. Right. Right. So there's nobody 
that's really the pressure's not on you. It'd be more on Jack, Austin, Mike Stamberger, those types of guys that know the golf course. So with anything, you're going to get the pros and cons of that. You're going to get the support, but then you're going to also get the pressure. You're going to get the ins and outs of the golf course, but that also means you have the ins and outs of the golf course. Like there's so many things that goes into play there, but listen, it is a it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Do you have a prediction on what you think? Obviously, the way the tournament goes is they play 18 holes on Monday. They play 18 holes on Tuesday. Then there's a cut. Okay, then there's a cut. If you're within the cut, then you play 36 on Wednesday. Do you have a prediction? Uh, I got some thoughts. I don't know if this is going to equate to a prediction. I know you're a, a know you're a hardline guy. You want me to say one person's name, and maybe I'll. I end, do. And maybe I do want to. I would. I would love to know. I would love to know who your one person is and their score. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to give you that. Uh, obviously, I think. Um, I feel like that amount of golf is more uh, is easier for someone who's younger to to play that kind of grueling schedule uh, for a younger guy. Um, I'll tell that to Michael Brown. Uh, and I was just going to say, I know that Michael just uh, we just had him on and he just just contradicted me, but uh, I would put, if I had to put like a list of like who I'd put at the end, I'd put Michael, I'd put Troy, um, I would put uh, obviously Jack. <laughs> you can't put, you can't not put Jack there. Uh, Jack and Pat, I think, are in the running as well. Austin, you got to put in the running as well. Again, just knowing the course, you got to think that these guys are going to at least be making the cuts with knowing the course and being the kind of players uh, that they are. Um, let's see, uh, another name I, I, I really like, uh, Jack Zirkanich. I think that that's one that, you know, I can see him making the cut, uh, as well. You know, your, your guy, Chris Housen, again, I, I think that kind of takes, takes, uh, out that, that younger person, um, wouldn't shock me if, if. If Chris made the cut, um, a guy that I I believe he made the cut um, at the mid am was um, Eric Lafonte. I wonder if he makes a run here. Um, kind of originally from from this area, so I wonder if he can do that. But but again, those are just uh, you know. I don't know who the I don't know how you could quantify like the betting favorites coming in here or anything like that. But yeah, those are those are some of mine. Honestly, if you wanted one person like gun to my head, who's gonna win this? Uh, Jack's gonna win this. I, I think that Jack Wall. Jack Wall. I think that he. What's his score? What's his score? I've never played the course. Have I mentioned that to you? No. So I don't know. Not once. Not once. <laughs> so I don't know what he. I would think that he's shooting 67, 68 for four rounds of golf. I think that would be a good average for him. So what's that? Four under? 
three under? Yeah, so I guess my question really is I, I, I don't know if Maniscon is going to be playing as a par 72 or as a par 71 for the tournament because I do know uh, – well, now I, I take that back. I literally just texted Chris Dimmick as we're live here, and he said they're playing it as a par 72. So Okay. Because um, number five could be moved to a par four and moved up um, and make it just a really long par four. Um, but it's going to be playing as a par 72. So you're oh, so you have Jack Wall winning at what minus what uh, overall? I, I think I think overall he's gonna go uh, again. Uh, so I would imagine on average he's gonna go three or four under each day. So or each time. So each eighteen. So so three, six, nine, twelve. That's twelve under, and that's way too much. So let me recalculate my math here. Seventy is two, two, four, six, eight. Yeah, I could buy eight under for four days or four rounds. I go, I go in the yeah, I'd go in that like maybe even that six to nine range under. That would probably be my guess. But again, kind of going uh, like I think Jack has the home course advantage, right? And and I don't know if I like obviously some other guys like like Austin knows the course like the back of his hand. But Jack grew up on the course. You look at, like, I go to, like, the, the Batman begin or Batman with the Dark Knight. Like, Bane says, right, I was born into darkness. You just adopted you it. You adopted the dark. I was born in it. Molded by it. I kind of feel like that's there. Jack grew up on the course. Jack was born into Manasquan River. Austin has, has since adopted it. Again, like, I don't want to seem that negative about it, but... Jack's been playing that course since he could walk. Uh, he's a stud college golfer who plays in multiple round tournaments all year round. Um, he's he's younger, so his you know his body's in better shape for it. Um, he's a did I mention he's a stud college golfer? Uh, I just I just I just think that for me, I think all those signs are pointing to Jack being being the winner here. And, and again, that's not to say that I wouldn't be shocked by somebody else, but like, you know, I know that, uh, I know Michael Brown talked about Troy is definitely going to get one of these at some point. Is this the one he gets? You know, I don't know, but for me, I give the leg up to Jack for knowing the course. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, do, why do I give it to Jack over Austin? I'm glad you asked. Uh, again, I think that uh, like Austin's a phenomenal golfer. I'm sure he's playing and practicing, but he's not playing and practicing like he did in college. I'm sure he's not putting that kind of time in that Jack puts in, and that's just because Jack's doing it in college. Like they're constantly practicing and playing. So I don't. Uh, again, that's I just give the nod there to the to the guy who is more immersed in it. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. I, I mean, I I think it's probably hard for anybody to argue that and Jack isn't. Uh, I'm sorry to Go cut ahead. you off. And no, you're not. I, <laughs> I also think that because of the caliber and the high level pressure situations that Jack has been in, I don't know if him 
winning at Manasquan is going to be the pressure that we initially started talking about to him. Or I think he'll be able to handle it. Yeah, no, listen, uh, it's hard to argue. I think if you listed the top 20 guys have a chance of winning, I don't know how Jack would not be in probably the top five. You know, I don't. I mean, his resume, his ability, it's just hard to argue. His, you know, his familiarity with the golf course, like, yeah, there's too many variables that support Jack winning, which is why, to me, that's too obvious. I don't think Jack gets it done. Okay. And I think that's why he, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope you're right, but I, I think I think if anybody has the pressure on them, more so than any other person in the entire field, it's Jack. 100%. He, which is why I don't think he gets it done, because you're you're that kid that grew up at Manasquan River. You you ended up playing big time collegiate golf. Like you played at Texas Tech. You've done all these amazing things. Like you grew up right there on the eleventh hole. Like to me, like I feel like that's so much burden to carry that I think that that kind of holds him back a little bit. And I do think that I don't I don't think Jack wins. I don't. So if for, you're this, me to for pick the somebody. same reasons that I think Jack is going to win, you think he's not going to win. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I do. I just think it's. I think it's. You're asking too much of the of the kid who grew up there to then carry the torch. So, so I only will say this. I think sometimes you know how like the young team that's really good ends up winning the championship. Like, mm-hmm. like I look at the Cubs in 2016. They were they were young, like young and dumb and didn't really fully understand or appreciate. They were just good and just went out there and had fun. I don't. I wonder or I hope. I guess in my thinking that Jack is young enough to to be a little more like cavalier with it. Which listen, and everything you say, there's no doubt you could get behind and be like, yeah. How did you not see that coming? You're 100% right. I, I can't argue that point. I just find it hard to believe with everything going that that he finds a way to get it done. I also don't think the scores are going to be as high as or as low, however you want to phrase it, as you think they are. I would say I'd be stunned, stunned if someone finished the tournament minus six or better. I think it's going to be below that. You think it's going to um, be like closer to even? No, I think I'd say somewhere between like three, four, five. Okay. I don't if some I don't think it's gonna sniff eight, nine, ten. Well, I'd be well, stunned. Well, hold on. There we go. You got three, four, five. I got six, seven, eight. Yeah, I I would be stunned knowing that golf course, how hard it is playing, how good the greens are. That someone's gonna have the ability after four days of playing it to sit at seven, eight, nine, and even sniff double digits. No shot. I find that I I have, too, in a sense, too much faith in the golf course mm-hmm. over the golfers okay. to think that ultimately when it's all said and done, the golf course will win in respect to what the overall score is okay. as to what the winner shoots. Gotcha. All right. Uh, I How about this? I just had this idea. We should go through, because after two days, right, they cut it to 16? Or what's the cut? How many people make the cut? It, I don't know. 
I don't know that. It's it's normally like top something and ties get in. Okay. So they might just cut it in half. They might take 60%. I forget what it is. Okay. I was thinking it was like the like um, the mid-am where it got to match play. So you had 16. No, nah, no. Nah. And yeah, no. Nah. And I was going to say, let's let's go through some names. Let's have you pick names. I'll pick names. And then what we should do is have this randomly pick names. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do 10. 10 names that make the cut. You pick 10, I pick 10, and we'll, we'll put all the names in a generator, we'll wheel it around and have that pick 10 and see which one does better. What are your thoughts? Work on it. Okay. I don't know if I'm gonna sleep tonight then, but okay. <laughs> it's a lot of, uh, how many people are in the field, do you know? Not off the top of my head, I don't. So who do you have winning it? You ask me, prediction, who, who, who you got? You said it. You said you said three or four under is going to win it. Yep, I I would say I'm going to guess. If you ask me what my number is, I'm going to say I'm going to say Austin Devereaux wins at minus five. Okay. I do. I think I think to what you said in terms of like there's no pressure on Austin. I feel like he's flying under the radar. He hasn't. He's he's now taken on a job at the golf course where that kind of distracts him from the everyday grind in terms of like what some of these other guys are doing. Um, he's not sitting there grinding over his golf swing all the time, and we all know how mental the game of golf is. So he's less worried in that sense. He knows the golf course inside and out, so I don't feel like he needs to worry about like, all right, if I miss it a little right on one, what's going to go on? He knows all of it. Um, and I just think, dude, there's... There's something about his little mentality that, like, he's got that chip on his shoulder. He's got that bulldog mentality. I've got to see it firsthand. I just think there's something about him, and that's why I kept saying, like, getting him on right before this tournament is going to be important. It's going to be like a grand slam. Mm -hmm. It's a walk off. Yeah. And when he wins at minus five. And we have you have to come back on the show, and you got to listen to me rant and rave for probably the entire thing. You know, I might just show up with a with a king's crown. Hold on, now uh, you could certainly show up with a king's crown. If Austin wins this at five under, and not only have I lost the person and I lost the score, I'm still popping champagne. It's not like I don't <laughs> want Austin to win this. <laughs> um, uh, I love yeah, those I, reasons too, and, and I would tell you this as well. I would put Austin in my like if I had to pick like a like a Mount Rushmore four people who I think legitimately have to win it. Austin is in that. If I had to go to a top three, Austin's in that as well for exactly that reason. And I, I try not to be like these are our guys kind of thing. Mm-hmm. To be fair, and I'm just no, looking at his it. name. I don't know who Adrian Jordan from Cobblestone Creek Country Club is. He could be a yeah. he could be an absolute stick. I have no idea. But- these are guys well, that Adrian I know. Adrian wins. He's coming on the show, and we'll, we'll right. introduce that ourselves. Be, yeah, that we'll introduce ourselves. But, like, these are guys that I know, and I do also – Austin's attitude of, like, okay, like it rolls like, like water off a duck's ass. Like it just is going to just bead off, and he's not going to deal with the pressure. Or I, I – yeah, I, I would – I again, he would be that one. You wanted one. I said, Jack, you went Austin. I think, and I think the same thing for you. I think you'd put Jack in your top three as well. Yeah, I, listen, I, it's hard to argue against Jack, and it's hard to argue against all the guys that have that 
course knowledge that other people don't because I think that carries a lot of weight at this golf course. I do. But I do think that when you look outside of the Manasquan River bubble in terms of like what guys mm-hmm. have a legit chance. Like I thought you named a lot of good ones. Like but, you Troy, know what? You know, we, didn't, I, we didn't even like Anthony Campanile. Uh, yeah. Right, some, like there's a few guys I know from that, that play out a deal. Um, you've talked about Jack Irons. Like guys that we didn't even mention. Yeah. They could like that are playing good golf. That are playing great golf, right? So the, I mean, Je- listen to Jack Irons' credit. He just finished runner-up at the Delaware State M. Right. So like he's he's playing good golf. Mm-hmm. So like there's no doubt. You got Troy. You got Jack. You got you got a lot of guys outside the Manasquan River bubble. Like I was saying. Yeah, I mean, it's not an overly long golf course. It'll play just under 7,100 yards. But like Michael Brown's got a legit chance. I know you're gonna say like, okay, he's on the older side, but the dude knows how to play. You know, like, there's just so many guys. Doug Ergood from Tavistock, like, they all know what they're doing. And it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if, if a guy like even Brandon Delinka puts it together. Like, Eric LaFonte, like, there's so many names that I guess I can't say that, oh, yeah, he, he won it, not surprised. But it'll, it'll definitely be something. But I guess if you're taking, you know, you want my prediction, I'm going Austin minus five, and I do not think the winner is anywhere above minus five. All right, so I got Jack at minus six. There you go. (laughs) Equity 3 Real Estate is a full-service commercial real estate brokerage management and development company based out of Paramus, New Jersey. Equity 3 Real Estate focuses heavily in northern New Jersey. They cover industrial, multifamily, office, retail, and vacant land properties, as well as specializing in medical offices. They manage over 400,000 square feet of varying property types for passive investors. Their clients range from small to mid-range building owners and larger brokerages. So if you're looking for the right team to help you win, go check them out at www.equity3re.com or give them a call at 201-261-4300. That's 201-261-4300. You won't be disappointed. Now I'm going to go to your little expertise here, and I want you to keep talking. We're going to keep talking about Manasquan here. We got predictions. We got pairings. I want to talk about the course a little bit. Um, or let me rephrase. I want you to talk about the course a little bit because I don't know if I've mentioned I've, I've never played the course. You've never played there? <laughs> uh, what is needed at this course? Uh, you just said it, it, it's going to top out at 7,100, so you don't need to be terribly long. Are the par threes super long? Is that what's going to make it longer? Is it a is it a ball strikers course? Do you, you said the greens are rolling beautifully, so putting is going to be at a premium. What what is it that's going to take these guys to win this tournament? What is needed from someone who's a played the course a, a zillion and a half times? B a guy that's caddied there for ye, years. C a guy that plays in these tournaments. What is it? What is it going to take to win this tournament? I think I think the the winner will have played fifteen through eighteen the best the entire week. I think those four finishing holes there can make or break your round. One through fourteen. Listen, I could see someone playing really good golf and being three or four under going into those holes. I do. I mean, the front nine is. I would say more target golf. You got to hit the fairways. It's way more undulation. It's up. It's down. There's a lot of like, 
um, uphill second shots. There's a lot of downhill second shots. It's a lot about placement where you want to hit the ball. There's side lines. The front on the front. Yeah, a yeah, lot of a lot, lot of, of yeah yeah. There's yeah okay. you're gonna so hit it. So it's more hit you know, your numbers. Get your number. Hit, yeah, be a, hundred. It's okay. target golf on the front. You got to find the right spots, find the right numbers. But with that being said, you have the ability to go low. Like if you get in the right spots, like you could go two under on the front nine with no with no questions asked. And then even 10, 10's like a, a good solid par four, but then you got 11, it's straight down the hill par five. Like I won't be surprised with Eagles being made there. They can rip the ball down there. They can get close in two. Um, but I think the difference is those that, last four. I would think that they would be, I would think that that's a, I would think that that, that 13th hole. So I know I give you a hard time. I have, I've played in the, in the times I've played, I've played 13, 14, 15, and 16 are the holes that I've played at Manasquan for that, you know, it's like a mini outing kind of thing. But 13, I would think that that that's going to play under par because I think they're going to they're going to throw the ball so far down that hill and let it roll that they're going to have That's 11. You're thinking 11, the par 5? The par 5. What did I say? 13. 11. Sorry. 11, 11 you said is 13. what I meant. 11. I think yeah. that it's going to be so far down the hill that they're going to they're going to be able to go at the. Fl- You're not attacking flags with with three, four, five irons or or woods. I think they'd be attacking it with maybe six, but seven, eight, nine iron on a par five. I would think that eagle is going to be premium there. Birdies. I, I listen. I won't be surprised if if eagles are made on eleven. I won't be. But the also the thing with eleven is. If you don't know how the hole is played, that's going to play into it. Because if you think you're going to fly the ball to the green, it's going to end up over the green. Mm-hmm. And if you're not landing the ball 15 yards short of the green, you're going to end up over the green. And if that pin is tucked left and you're right of the mound, good luck to putting, even if you're on the green. Good luck. It's like an elephant's hump right in the middle of the green. So, like, the greens, and I think are the defense of the golf course. So, like, yes, in terms of the number, like, yeah, they could hit seven, eight, nine irons into the green, some of them, sure. If they hit it, they bomb it, no doubt. But that's not going to help you when you're on the greens and you still have a 30-footer over a mound because you missed it on the wrong side of the green. But I think that's why I said, like, going into 15, I could see somebody being four under, and then coming into 15, it's going to play two and a quarter over the water, if you miss it left, you, you never cross land. You're still in the water. You're going to have to re The bailout is way right because you don't want to miss it left and dump it in the drink. You'll have even people just lay up just to get it over the water so they don't make a big number there. What you know? What hole is this? 15. The par 3, it's going to play probably two and a quarter. You got water all on the left-hand side. And if you're, go, if you're playing well going into it, like the last thing you want to do is make a big number. So you got 15 right there. Then you got 16, the par four, slight dog leg right. You got a waist bunker on the right side. It plays a little bit uphill. It's probably going to be stretched out to about 450. So, like, your second shot over the creek, going uphill, like, don't miss it left, don't miss it long, you know. And, and again, depending where the pin is, if you miss it right, good luck. Then it's all right, you get to 16, and I'll t- I will say this, the best walk on the entire golf course when you walk from 16's green to 17's tee box, yeah, you end up on 17's times. tee box, and you look at that hole, that's going to play 430, 440. You got a waist bunker on the left side, you pull it a little bit left, forget about it. You got out of bounds on the right side. Again, you got to hit a perfect drive into a tough green that like has a false front. You got to make sure you carry it. But again, in the middle of 17's green, you got a huge hump. 
Not easy to deal with depending on where the pin is. And then you'll look at 18, you'll say 18 off. Well, it's only 330, 340 from the back tees. Not a big deal. You got three bunkers on the left-hand side that if you pull it a little bit, you're in a fairway bunker. Okay, you got a tree on the right side that you got to make sure, again, it's precision. And then you got a two-tiered green that if you miss it long, good luck two-putting. Good luck. And if, you, if that pin is front right, good luck. Good luck. So I think those last four holes, I think that's what's going to come down. You're going to see someone say, I played the last four holes the best the entire week, which is why I won the golf tournament. 16, a par five. Are, are those, so you said 15 is a par, par three, four. 16 is a par four, 17. Is that a par four or a par five? All par fours, yeah. All it par goes fours. three, four, four. There's only one par, there's only three par fives and three par threes. Okay. So on the back, it's one and one, and on the front, it's two and two. Are they, is on 18, what's your, what's your suggestion on 18? At 350, you're going to, you're going to Five wood right center. Five wood right center. So just stay short of those, of those bunkers? Yep. Because it's only going to leave you probably about 150 yards or so in. Even if you want to pump three wood out there to right center, that's fine. But to me, like. But now, but why, think, why take three wood and bring the, the traps into play? Numbers. It depends on your number. If you prefer having a number in that you are more comfortable with, then you're going to hit three wood because you like 120 instead of 150. Right, but 150's got to be nine iron max for these guys. It could be wedge. It could be, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, but I, listen, I think that those final four holes will be the true indicator. And I think when we're when after Monday and we look at the scores, you, the, that'll be the first thing I look at. Okay, this guy shot 72. What did he do in the last four? Mm-hmm. Oh, he went par, bogey, bogey, bogey coming in. Okay. Because I think those it, that, that's where the teeth of the golf course is. Is those finishing holes. So we're going to see a lot of movement. And, and at LACC for the U.S. Open, that was it, too. Those, they talked about those finishing holes where, you know, they had 500-yard par fours rolled up there. You're going to have to play those to par to, to be, you're saying the same thing here, that these last four holes are going to be, you could be leading and, and it could fall apart on these. Very quickly. Okay, interesting. Um. What is the signature hole? You, you mentioned the walk or the ride from 16's green. And I got Google Maps pulled up here so I can understand why you're kind of going out into the river and coming back um, to the to the teeing area. Oh, here's the here's the tee boxes there. I mean, those are practically in the river, those tee boxes. Um, so I get that. But what is the signature hole on the course to you? What's the... What's the best, if you're a spectator going to watch, where do you want to watch it from? What hole do you want to see? Where is there going to be the most action in, in again, one, one spot on the course? Well, there's not many spots where you're going to stand and see multiple holes in a sense. Like, it's, it is kind of like, I'm not saying it's tree-lined by any stretch, but, like, on the front nine, you're not really seeing many things go on that's going to be back-to-back holes like I still think like if I'm looking for one if me personally if I'm going to camp out at one spot I'm going to camp out on the hill on the right side of 16's green because I can see all the shots coming into 16 I can see people walking down 17 I can see them hitting their second shots into 17 I see the river directly behind me and I may be able even to sniff some things going off 13's tee box like to me that spot across the street 
is a hard spot to not put my seat down 16. and just watch. 16. Is this up on by the, the other side of the water? There's like a little creek that kind of runs here. Yeah, it's on the right side there. On the okay. It's up by the green. Like it's about right around the waist area. Just, I'm just, know, like again, just looking at Google Maps here, it just looks. It doesn't look like a hill. It just looks like a like a marsh area to me. Yeah, it's there's a little hill up there that you can probably camp. I mean, that would be my spot. Okay. But. Um. Again, I I I don't know if we could get a better course to talk like this. Since you have so much knowledge of this course, I, I feel like this has turned into an interview of you of the course. But I, I think that that's great insight, and maybe some guys will listen and, and heed some heed some advice without putting any names. Anyone reach out to you that we know? Any of our guys say, "Hey, what do you what are your thoughts here? Can we talk about the course?" Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Here you go. If you are listening to this. Uh, give Mike a call. He is doing half an hour reviews of the course <laughs> with you to talk the course through. You're doing it on Zoom, Google Maps. Uh, 50 bucks for the 30 minutes. Right? Mike's phone number is 732. Give him a call. Uh, and, and certainly... You put that number out there and some poor person that has that cell phone number is going to be like... Why are you calling me? I know for a fact nobody has that cell phone number. Uh, I would not put that. I'll call it right now. Some poor, <laughs> poor lady's going to answer and be like, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, this guy from the Drop Podcast told me to call you. <laughs> He's looking for Mike Poro, and uh, he'd like his 30-minute review of the course. Uh, Mike, that's, that's good stuff. Uh, I appreciate you, you kind of let me pepper you with some questions here about it. I think it's super interesting, and I, again, I... Being that it's one of the New Jersey majors, I think obviously it's a it's a huge deal, and having it at a course that you know so well uh, just gives us some really valuable insights. So hopefully, hopefully uh, you guys listening got you know got some stuff out of it. So breaking news here, before we send you to Austin, Ricky Fowler has won the Rocket Mortgage Classic in a playoff over Colin Morikawa. And Adam Hadwin, uh, Mike and I are recording on Sunday, so that's pretty big news. That's that's happening live right now. Um, I, I said it last week. I would not be surprised with Ricky, or not last week, a couple weeks ago now for the Open, and he didn't disappoint. But now he's coming back to win, Mike. That's got to that's got to make. He's got to have enough points for the Ryder Cup now at that, right? Bro, do you, I mean, he sprays his tee shot. Okay, into the gallery. I'm just. I'm he then. I didn't. He then see fires it. a dart. He then fires a dart to like, I don't know, eight, ten feet below the hole. Game set match. Your boy Ricky Fowler. Let's go. Mustache and all. <laughs> Rocking the orange. Is he back? To, was he wear? Is he wearing orange? Oh, orange, bro. <laughs> He's got his Puma orange. First time winning since. What, 2019? Something like that. Since he got married, I think. 2019, it says. He got married in 19, so. He makes the putt, and the sigh that he gives out is just like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Kudos for, to put to Butch Harmon for fixing him. Yeah. That, uh, that guy uh, can fix anybody, except for Charles Barkley. But Maybe you. We should, can we get Butch on here to help me? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
All right, so that's that's it for us here. Uh, I know we were heavy on the New Jersey amateur, but again, as we've said, that's a that's a major tournament for New Jersey and a big deal here for for golfers. So hopefully you got something out of it. Um, we're going to send you to our interview with Austin now. Uh, again, Austin and Mike were partners um, at the New Jersey Four Ball. They've worked together for a long time. Uh, they they. They know each other. You guys are going to enjoy this interview. So make sure you stick around. Enjoy it. Cheers. All County Exteriors is a third-generation, premier exterior home remodeling company celebrating over 40 years in business in a remodeling world where the average remodeling company only survives in business for only five years. All County Exteriors has stood the test of time providing their customers with top quality roofing, siding, windows, and doors. They service homeowners and builders with anything from small repairs to large additions. All County Exteriors is not just limited to construction. They have a deep passion for giving back to their community and are charitable supporters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Cancer Society, Roofs for Troops, and Parents of Autistic Children. If you have planned to do any exterior modeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors for all your modeling needs. Okay, so today's guest is a household name in New Jersey golf. Our guest today is Austin Devereaux, a Manasquan High School graduate. He went on to play collegiate golf at Ryder. He is also the 2020 New Jersey State Golf Association's amateur champion. He was also, he won the 2021 and 2022 MAC Individual Tournament Championship. He's currently working as Director of Outside Operations at Manasquan River. Austin, thank you for coming on the show here today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure, Austin. Thanks for jumping on. So, Austin, let's kind of get started here. You know, obviously, you know, you and I have a, a very good friendship, and I'm sure Ryan wants to dive into some specific things here. But why don't you tell us a little bit um, about your journey from, you know, I, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but maybe like not the most successful high school kid um, in terms of like winning tournaments and going low, but then maybe being a late bloomer to where you are now a guy in New Jersey golf that when people say your name, they, they know who you are. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, so actually, you know, back in my freshman year in high school, I played fall soccer. Um, you know, I was actually a bowler in the winter as well. I've always been an active kid, um, played baseball my whole life. And then um, it came to the point, actually, my freshman year in high school where I needed to make a decision between golf and, and uh, baseball. And um, the, the head coach, uh, Vince Junko at the time, who is a PJ professional, he's now uh, working for Vic Gerard and is uh, working with Golf Kings as well, indoor simulators around the, the Jersey Shore area. Um, he told me in the beginning, you're crazy if you did not play golf. Um, and, you know, I kind of just went out there, played my whole life. Um, you know, didn't really think much about it in high school, just went out there, had fun, um, you know, would, you know, shoot a couple over par, you know, be happy about it, go home, talk to my parents and whatnot. 
Um, and then, uh, you know, senior year was able to, you know, pull out a state championship win. And, um, I think that really set the tone for me of, um, you know, thinking about playing college golf and, um, you know, if you want me to, I could get into, you know, how that start of like the college search happened. It's actually kind of a funny story. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear that because if Go you're if you're not deciding to play college golf until late senior year, <laughs> after winning the state tournament, I, I yeah, we got to hear that. So, um, you know, my freshman saw like I, I I've been the type of I was growing up playing golf. You know, I wasn't able to play, and you know, I'm a local kid. I'm from Brielle, New Jersey. Um, you know. I basically grew up teaching myself besides the, you know, four lessons a summer when I was six to eight, where my aunt would bring me to Manuscorn River and um, Brad Olson, uh, who used to be the head golf professional at Rumson, um, and even Vince Junko, you know, they used to teach me when I was a six to eight year old kid here. Um, and, you know, didn't think anything of it, but going to, picking that college, um, you know, I started to email these schools around the country, you know, division two, II, division three, just with the same attitude that I had where I could just be like, you know, I could just go play golf and have fun and make the team. Um, emailed a couple of division one programs. Um, I'm not going to say the names, but one of the emails I got back was actually quite funny. And it goes back into after I went to state amateur, what I mentioned in the news article. One of the Division One coaches told me that I wasn't good enough to play Division One golf, and that I'd be better off to go play it at a Division Three level down south. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, and again, like you know, the score that's cool. It's important material. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, the like as I said, the, the tournaments, and I think that also is. A, thing when it comes to division one golf you know not playing in any of the ajga and i would just play in like three you know you know nj you know junior tournaments um throughout the summer and would you know shoot 74 75 76 um you know i didn't really have anyone that believed in me um so i kind of got to the point where i was a little discouraged about even you know even playing because i wanted to stay local um and then my mom's sister and myself went out to TCNJ and we actually just kind of stumbled on Ryder University. We just drove by because they're, they're basically neighbor universities. Um, and we took a tour and I shot an email out and I was like, you know, I, I, I like this university. Maybe I can have a chance of playing here. Um, and within the next week, I had an interview with, with uh, Jason Barry, who is the college coach at Ryder University and the teaching professional at uh, Springdale in Princeton, um, had a meeting and first thing that came out of his mouth was, you know, how's it going? You know, looked at your swing videos and whatnot. Uh, you have a roster spot in the team if you want and just jumped right on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's a lot easier than the other. Only, only offer I got was, was from, was from Jason at, um, at Ryder. I didn't get any other offers from any other program. And just by seeing your swing video, like he was just. Swing video is and one of the things. So, uh, you know, the NJ, it's, it's the Rutgers Invitational. It's one of the junior tournaments that I believe they still have. 
they do one round at Rutgers and then they do the second round at Springdale. Um, I happened to win that event uh, my junior year summer going into my senior year of high school and I shot 72 at Rutgers and then shot 66 at Springdale. Um, and every year Ryder plays in the Springdale Invitational, uh, which is Princeton's uh, home event. Um, and it's every, it's in the beginning of every spring. And I think that definitely helped. Um, but also from, you know, my coach likes to go off of video footage a lot and, you know, he doesn't like, he believes in what he sees primarily. And he took a shot and, you know, it was, uh, it worked out. It, it worked. It worked out. <laughs> yeah. It worked out for uh, both I, of you. Yeah. Seriously. I, I like that because if he's, he's looking at your swing, not your scores. And, and as Mike said, a bit of a late bloomer because, you know, you, you, you work hard at, at, uh, at Manasquan. Yeah, I assume you grow up caddy in there and, um, yeah. and, and doing that sort of the working in the bag room, that sort of thing. And then, but not a country club kid, you know, just you say like kind of self-taught minus a couple lessons when you were younger. So not real, not real polished. Like some kids are from our area going out and, and in that junior senior year, Yep. And as Mike said, a bit of a late bloomer. So that coach sees sees your scores and might pass you up because you're shooting 75, 76 in some tournaments, but sees your swing and goes, okay, I can I can work with that. That's a that's a swing I can work with, or we can make these changes and he's gonna turn into a really good golfer. So that that's a nice like you said, it's a kind of funny story, a nice story there. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's always been uh he's always been that guy that's always believed in me, for sure. Everybody needs one of those guys in their corner. 100%. So, uh, Austin, I'm glad that we got you. I know we want to talk about the the New Jersey Open at Manasquan. What's at Manasquan this year? State Am. The State, State Am. Am. State Am. I know Mike's going to want to get into that, but I want to get into your time at the four ball up at Hamilton Farms with, uh, with Mike. And I think I want to start hearing your side of the story was Mike's interviewing Jim Nance. Yeah. What's that like like from your side? We'll get into the nitty gritty, but let's start with the hard hitting questions first. Let's talk about that. So, you know, you know, we both went into it, obviously when we, we talked, when you guys talked about it on the, on the podcast with Jim, you know, I, I went into that course blind and, you know, we, I just wanted to make match play, you know, and see where we could go from there and try to make a run. Um, but once Mike told me after we, we qualified, said that he has an interview tomorrow with Jim Nance during when we're going to be playing, I was like, all right. So hopefully we're not three down when that's happening. <laughs> um but, you know, it just was wild, you know, after the ninth hole when, you know, we were, you know, up front by a decent amount. And next thing you know, we're walking down the fairway and Mike just flips his phone at me and it's Jim Nance. I'm like, that's pretty darn cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then just, you know, just walks up, no practice swing, hits it to 40 feet. We're up there and he just gives me a little signal while talking to Jim and is just like, you know, where do you see this point a spot out and then just drains it. 
And these guys are looking at him just like, really? Like, not only not only are we already six down, but this guy just made a 40-footer on top of us while talking to, you know, a legendary broadcaster. Right, not even like while taking a phone call. Like, it's not like he was conducting business out there. He's talking yeah. to the voice of golf yeah. while, while nailing a 40-foot putt. And, and I think totally. Mike needs that. To be honest, Mike's golf game, he needs to think less and just do more. Almost like like from I Love You Man, where he's like, no, 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 you're just – do less. And he just kind of gets up off the surfboard. Like, point to a spot, Mike, hit it to that spot. Yeah, and I mean, exactly. I, I can't lie. I felt like I put it awfully. Like, it was probably the worst <laughs> display of putting in the history of the world. And the fact that – the one time I throw the AirPods in and I have our own like CBS on course interview, I freaking make the putt. Whereas I have five footers for birdie the rest of the day and it doesn't even sniff the goddamn <laughs> hole. <laughs> next, so next time, if, next time we ever get Jim Nance back on, we'll have him on for a four hour podcast. So Mike can make the putts. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike can go set the course record somewhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was really cool because how we record like those little blocks that Mike had, it records locally. So I, as I'm cutting it, I hear everything that Mike's doing. So I hear him, uh, even if, he, even though he was on mute with the interview, I hear him talking to you and, and him like the, like the little, like just the grunt while he hits a shot, you can hear the ball hitting. So it was like, yeah. I can follow his round <laughs> while I was editing it. It was really pretty funny. <laughs> But to um, go, talk about the event, though, I, I will say this is, yeah, you know, Austin can really golf his golf ball because, you know, I, we've talked about this a lot that, you know, I can get it around, but there's always the next level. And there's no doubt that, you know, he was the horse the whole time that we were out there. And I was just the jockey holding on at times for dear life, um, you know, but I, I think. You know, I mean, obviously, Austin can speak a little bit more about the event itself. But, you know, I said that, to Austin, I, hopefully he invites me back. That That's actually what I wanted to get into next, Austin. <laughs> as as the guy who is the horse in your in your pairing and every pair has that unless you're unless both people are the exact same handicap. How did you yeah. how did you go into this four ball knowing that you were going to have to do the majority of the heavy lifting? having you know with mike as your partner what's the what's like your your mindset i guess going into this i mean this is the this is the best part with a format uh like that i mean it's the second four ball i played in the first one i played uh was with uh connor bekefi at managed corner river and um we both three putted the last hole to uh to, to miss out on match play which which stunk but um with playing you know especially at a course like hamilton it's 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 an elite golf course where you could host any championship there in my opinion um you know like you guys talked about after uh with the the podcast with jim before discussing it briefly you know they had a usga open local qualifier there and the scores were relatively on the higher side um but as far as, you know, playing with Mike, you know, it, it's, it's just about, you know, it's taking it seriously, but having enough fun where you guys can laugh and, you know, still manage your golf game around. But I mean, my goal each day was to kind of go in there and make, you know, three to five birdies in match play. 
um, because that usually will, you'll usually win three at least with three birdies. That's fair. That's fair. My yeah. goal for this summer is to have three birdies. So, <laughs> so that's a little different. I mean, we have two different golf games. You know, and uh, yeah. I'll be honest with the you. The other thing. Go ahead, Austin. Go, the other thing, too, with how the course played, I don't think the course could have played better for your game. Like, it was firm. Like, obviously, like, you hit the ball on a lower trajectory with a little, you know, five-yard draw. Um, it's low spin. And with how firm it was with everything, you know, you were able to, you know, get some extra distance, I feel, rather than playing at like a South Jersey course where it's a little bit, you know, more wet. And then on top of it, with your wedge play, you actually like, you know, you pick the ball and hit it high, which for, you know, the way it was set up with how firm the greens were, I actually think you had an advantage over some of the players there that, you know, actually strike down and hit wedges a little bit on like a little bit lower. Um, like myself, like that's usually what I do. I'll try to, you know, flight something in there. And when greens are that firm, it's going to take a big hop and check up. But when you're hitting it as high as you were picking the ball, I think, you know, you're able to hit a lot of those shots close. Um, so, and I, and I think as evident by, by, I think Mike even said it, he, he was shocked at how, how helpful he was for the first couple rounds of it. Mm -hmm. You know, how he helped out a few times, um, you know, making, making a par so you could go at a birdie that, you know, even that yeah. sort of thing. But he was totally, he was he even said to me, he was, he was a little surprised at how helpful he was out there. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, even in that, even in that final, that final match, like, you know, the back nine was, was pretty special to watch. It was so back and forth. Um, I don't think I've ever gotten that intense as far as like motivated to win in that second round. Um, you know, we just, I'd say Mike, the biggest, the biggest, uh, thing which will haunt us is that second hole in that second match. Still, I still think about it now, you know? Yeah. I butchered it. <laughs> I mean, there's no two ways around it. I mean, you, they, they are slapping the ball all around the golf course. I'm green side and I legitimately just need to make a bogey. Yeah. And it, I completely butcher. And I think, you know, and I think that's kind of what really separates, you know, what I think like someone like me who can hit the ball around and I can go low, but I'm also, can, I can also shoot 83. So like, to me, like, I think that's what separates guys like me and guys like you, where, you know, in that situation, all I got to do is make a six at the very least. Hell, you probably mm -hmm. can get up and down or even chip the damn thing in. Yeah, where like my mindset is not there because I don't play, nor am I good enough to really say like, all right, here's what you got to do. Don't worry about the negative. Let's focus on the positive. Let's just go execute the thing. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that's where the difference of players of your caliber and mine are at the end of the day. And listen, I I I think about that a lot because it's not even so much that hole; it's that match because. Like anything, I'm probably one of the most competitive people out there, and I just can't stand losing more than anything. And you yeah. always say, like, man, what if? Like, what mm -hmm. if? Like, could you have really won that? Like, did you yeah. really have a chance? And I still, to this day, you know, say, like, I think we really did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even if 
if I'm able to find my ball on two, um, you know, I would say that I'm probably making six at worst. Um, so what, what happened on two? Is two a par four or par three? It's a par, it's a par five. Um, so it's, it's a dog leg left. The tee that we were playing was actually slightly up in the second match. I, you know, Mike was just in like the right rough, you know, not in much trouble. Um, so I took a more aggressive line, tried to get it over the bunker and I pulled it a little bit. Um, and then, you know, we were just expecting it to be just in the left rough or even in the bunker. And uh, we got up there and, you know, we weren't able to locate the golf ball. Um, so I was in my pocket, um, which kind of sucked. And uh, then, you well, know, you thought you I should be in a certain area. You hate when it like vanishes. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I mean, and again, like that's, it, it is what it is. It's golf, you know, it, you know, things happen where, you know, you, you get down there and you can't locate the ball. It, it is what it is, but. Were there any um, kangaroos out there? <laughs> that's a movie reference, Mike. Yeah. I know you don't get it. <laughs> Way over my head. <laughs> um but then i i mean the biggest thing is i mean we were you know mike had a big two putt on 17 first go one up and then you know i hit an awful drive on 18 left and i had nothing um and then the one kid just that you know didn't really do anything on the back nine just came up and just stuffed the you know a nine iron to a difficult pin to like four feet and there was nothing that Mike and I could do about it. Um, and then, I mean, I just feel like on the, on the night, on the 19th hole and extras, I just didn't, I didn't make the right play. I should have just went for the middle of the green rather than trying to go at it. Cause I was kind of blocked out by the, the tree on the right side. Um, Cause I didn't realize both of their balls were about 30 feet away too. So four probably would have gotten us to the 20th hole. Yeah. And I, and I think back to that 19th hole because I went long with my wedge because I, I hit a decent drive down the left center or left first cut and left rough. But everything was all my wedges all day, right? Were just spinning and coming back. Like I, I couldn't get the ball to stay where it landed. And on the 18th hole, and to Austin's thought, point, you put it high and it's right. And so it's on the tight. on our 18th hole, we're one up. And I hit a good drive and I hit a good second shot. It just spun. Oh, uh, so, so good so damn much down the slope that I end up going from like maybe like 15 feet to now I'm off the green pitching. Oh, to a that, tough and, that, and I was talking to, yeah, I remember I was talking with Jeff Carswell about that and he was, yeah. and Jeff was mentioning that, that there's a false front there that you just, yeah. I thought I had carried it. So then when I got to yeah. the 19th hole, I said, okay, I'm going to take a little more club here because I don't want it to spin all the way back. And I caught it, I guess, too good that it hit the green. And the greens were hard. It hit, like Austin said, and just shot over the back. And yeah. it was no shot. My fucking short game was getting me up and down. <laughs> but, listen, I think at the end of the day, I had a great experience being out there. No, There's no doubt when you're in that competitive environment and you're with a partner like that, that you know that, like, hey, if I make a par, if I make a bogey, like, he's there to pick you up. Mm-hmm. So, listen, I – I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, listen, we even had a, we had a couple caddies out there with us from Manuscone River, you know, so it was, it was a fun, fun day. It was great. So Austin, let's break the news now. Will Mike be your partner next year? 
One hundred percent. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it was a lot of like put it on the great, calendar now. Yeah. yeah, listen, I, I I had a blast. I said I said to Austin, listen, I I can't thank him enough for for allowing me to be his partner. Um, I know you know we had tried to do this two years ago, but you know fortunately for him, you know he moved on to the NCAA tournament, um, so he wasn't able to play. So you know it was a good day. We had fun. Um, That's rather big time. Yeah, big time. Yeah, <laughs> much more important than that event. But um, what else did you add? Did you, can I move uh, on to the next thing, or uh, do we I was just gonna, to, I was just gonna kind of start like, stepping on us while we're still down over there. <laughs> you know? um, no, I'm, I'm gonna run. I just wanted to say, Austin, thanks for, uh, thanks for, for jumping on. I'm sorry, I gotta, I gotta run, and hopefully we'll see you out there. All good, pretty soon. Percent. Thank you. All right, guys. Yeah, Enjoy. Take care. All right, so Austin, let's dive into you know, the 2020 stadium. I think for a lot of people. You know, I felt like more or less that was like your coming out party. You know, obviously within Monmouth County, the Shore Conference area, like people knew who you were and the type of things that you were capable of. But there's also a different level, like we've talked about. Like once you get to that level, like can you get to the next one? And I think winning the State Am at Arcola, nonetheless, um, with your final round 69. And, you know, I know Chris, you know, the head problematic whenever says, amazing things about Arcola itself. And it may be one of his favorite courses outside of Manasquan River. Like, why don't you talk a little bit about that tournament and how you feel like that kind of projected you to where you are now? Um, yeah. So, you know, basically I have a funny story to tell you after we go through this about it. Um, so, you know, I, in, in the in my freshman sophomore year in college, there was a couple times, you know, I had a couple top tens, but you know, when it came down to like the final, like couple holes, I always, you know, just like, just made a silly mistake. Um, and just, it took me from in, you know, second or third to like eighth. Um, and you know, my coach just, you know, kept telling me, he's like, it's going to come eventually. Like, you know, swinging it really good. I was swinging it probably the best I've ever swung it in my life going into that event. Um, and I kind of just, I, I went in there blind and I just went out there and just, and just played my game, got comfortable with it. Um, you know, I birdied all the holes that I needed to birdie. Um, and then the final round came where I was, I was three shots behind the leader and, you know, I was driving, we were driving up there. 515 in the morning uh with my parents and you know I remember my mom told me you know she was freaking out already she's because I've never been in a position like that before in a tournament that big um and you know she told me just go out there and have fun and that's kind of what I did I went out there and got off to a, a great start I was paired with uh with Dean Grazerman who's an unbelievable player um in New Jersey I believe he just started – I think he just had his freshman year at Stanford this year. He did. I, it's a funny um, story you say about him because yeah. I, I played with him at the State Open last year. Yeah. yeah he's a he great – he is – talk about – he's got power. power in that kid. Oh, yeah. My Cranks God. I'm sitting there on the first tee. He rips driver out and hits it 25, 30 yards by me, and I'm just like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, and you don't um, – it's not like you bunt it like I do. <laughs> um. But yeah, he kind of set the toner. I mean, he went out there and 
and birdied one off the rip and then birdied three and he was in the lead and um he birdied one and three and then i had like a like a 15 footer for birdie on three and i made that and then that kind of kicked me into gear where i'm like okay like you know it's gonna be a shootout and then birdied four and you know just kind of it just went back and forth from there um and then the the 14th hole came and this is this is cool too so uh 14 it's 10 is the par four. You got par three is 11. 12 par five, 13. 13 is a short par four. They made it drivable. Water right. And I never even thought about hitting driver. I just was like, all right, I'm going to hit a stinger hybrid. Proceeded to hook it left. And we're looking for it for about a minute and a half. And my mom has always been... (laughs) a lady in these tournaments where she's always on the next hole. Like at, when I played in, in conferences every time (laughs) she took, she would take more photos and more videos of the magnolia trees and the, and the rivers and the alligators and animals out there than she would have me playing golf because she gets so nervous out there. And I think it was one of the only times where she was actually on the hole that I was playing. And then about 40 yards in front of where we were looking, she goes, I have a ball here. And it was my ball. And we were about a minute and a half on the timer. So if I don't find that ball, you know, one, I don't win. But if she doesn't find that ball, one, I don't win. But then, um, you know, Dean hit it over the green. And I hit just a, the lie wasn't great. I hit it to the middle of the green by about 40 feet. And uh, Dean kind of scold his they didn't really scold he kind of just hit a little thin over the green into like a really easy like gettable up and down spot and he chips it in the timing and i'm like i'm looking at my caddy one of my high school teammates i'm like all right whatever <laughs> like we got have some golf left and then i just happen to just walk up there and aim right at the pin and just bash it and it just it goes right down the heart and that's kind of where my whole mentality and motivation completely flipped um, and, you know, just absolutely had confidence throughout the stretch and uh, was able to get it done. Yeah. I mean, when you look at some of the names on that leaderboard that day, you know, like I, I pulled it up and like, you know, you beat Dean Greiserman, a big time golfer, you know, Marcus Stanza, household name, you know, we can go mm-hmm. on and on Michael Brown, like these names that are all around the leaderboard, and to get that done for your first victory with those names around, because just like anything, you know, there's added pressure because you haven't won one. And you got these guys that are right behind you who have won them before, like finding a way to seal the deal there. And, and really in those last two rounds to go 68, 69, like just definitely catapulted you into an area of self-belief that, Hey, listen, like next time I'm in these situations, like I know, I can get it done. Totally. Yeah. That, and that's all, I mean, and that's all it takes even for like, you know, young players around the, around the Jersey area. Um, You know, once you get that first big win, you know, anytime you get into self doubt or anything on the golf course where you're losing hope or you're not feeling your games there or anything like that, 
you can always go back in your head and just, you know, tell yourself, well, you know, I've been here before and I've done it. So, you know, don't get down on yourself, you know, like, you know, there's never a time where you're out. There's never a time where you're out in the, out of an event, you know, where, unless you tell yourself you are. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think that's one of the things that we've harped on because we get a lot of, you know, DMs from, from high school kids asking questions like that. And I, you know, when we get guests like yourself on and others, you know, they harp on the mental side being such a huge part because, you know, like high school kids and we were all there at one point, we're very immature and everything is the end of the world. If we free putt, it's the putter's broken, we're throwing the clubs. But I think when you're able to mature a little bit and step back and look at it, you're like, wow, okay, it's one hole, it's one putt, there's X amount yep. of left, like let's go find a way. So yeah, there's no doubt the mental side is, is huge and getting your first one obviously definitely gives you that experience moving forward, which leads me into next week, you know, like obviously – you know, when, you, you know, the state and that Madison River, like your spot, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to be licking your chops saying like, I, I can do this here. I mean, no offense besides maybe Jack and some others that are playing in the tournament. Like, yeah, no one's got to know the damn golf course better than you. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I've been playing, I've been playing here, you know, I mean, they used to have New Jersey junior tournaments here when I was, you know, U.S. sorry, U.S. kids tournaments. Um, I was like seven years old. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the course has changed a lot um, and all these amateurs are going to see it. But for myself, you know, it's just going to be, you know, and, and Dimmick said the same thing back last year when the section championship was here. It's just go out and just, just play your game. Like, you know, the golf course. It's definitely a benefit that it's my home club and I know every little, I know everything about it, you know, and whatnot. So that's definitely going to, it's going to help me. And, but the biggest thing for me is I'm just going to, like, there's going to be a lot of members out there. It's going to be like, it's, it's home turf. Um, But, you know, for me, I'm trying not to put extra pressure on myself. You know, um, it's a different, uh, you know, scheduling for practice and everything like that with with the job and whatnot it's not like it used to be at college where i'd wake up do an hour of homework and then be on the golf course from 10 a.m until four o'clock at night so i just got to be able to manage my game the right way um play myself around the course like i would and every practice round that i come out here and do and just go have fun that's the biggest part yeah i mean listen there's definitely pros and cons to to what chris has said about it being at your home course like the pros is you know it you got tons of support there everybody is rooting for you but then the cons like you said is the pressure like i know the course and as much as i can get pro the con is like are you serious i've never hit it here on eight in my life and the one time i hit it here is in this tournament like those are the types of things that i i can see being a con in terms of it but like how do you see balancing like now you know obviously you have a job and you have Mm -hmm. adult responsibilities like you just said like how do you figure the time management aspect of it and then preparing yourself for such a major event yeah so i mean obviously you know i i have to give a a big thanks to to chris Demick, the head pro here you know when i took the job over he said the biggest thing that he doesn't want to see happen is my golf game or my golf you know, personality or anything like that to go in shambles. 
he said, you know, play golf, you can play in the tournaments. And the membership also backs all that up. You know, they like seeing me, you know, hitting some balls in the range. Like they'll come up and talk to me how I'm, how I'm hitting it. They like seeing me play golf. You know, they like, you know, just, you know, asking the questions. Like that's what they all love to hear. Um, and they all support it. And that's the biggest thing. And that's one of the reasons why I love this place so much. And it's why I've never left. And when I started caddying here when I was 14 years old and started working bag room when I was 16, you know, it's just like, you know, it's, 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 it's home. Not only is it in the town of Brielle, which I grew up in, but everyone here has just always been, you know, phenomenal treating me like almost like their own kid. That's how this, that's how this place makes me feel. It's just one big, one big family. Um, and I, I, you know, I say it to everybody, I can't appreciate everything that everyone has done for me here at the club, all my staff, all my, uh, my whole staff, they always support me, um, members, Chris, and all the assistant professionals inside the shop as well. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think when I spoke to Chris, you know, and when Ryan and I had him on back in, I guess this, God, it must have been December at this point. I, I, I credited him with that being such a family atmosphere is, you know, like you, listen, I've been caddying there since I'm 13, I'm 39 now. Mm -hmm. So like I, I've seen the ins and outs and the ups and downs and the many people that have come in and out of those doors, but there hasn't been someone like Chris who's made it a family atmosphere that has kind of made you feel like one of your own. And, you know, I credit him a lot with that. And I, and I think that reflects in the people that he has hired the people that have stayed, that are people that are still there, that people have moved on to different things. And and I think like his tree in a sense is when it's all said and done, it's going to be in so many different spots from branching out to this or that. Um, there's yeah. no doubt he gets a lot of credit with that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, one of the best in the state, if not the best, um, you know, he, he's done so much for this club as far as events go. I mean, we just had our father child last week and, um, it's just, it's awesome seeing, you know, how many members here, you know, bring their kids, you know, bring their, their wives and whatnot. Um, and it's just, it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome place to work at for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Now, now as you project ahead and you look, say, you know, maybe what's a five-year plan for Austin Devron, what do you see? Like, so I guess, you know, my question is like looking ahead to your future, what are some things that you may see yourself do you see yourself in that chair for 20 30 years like what is potentially something that you're looking for down the road no so i mean this is um i mean this is not going to be a long-term gig i mean um you know when i came out of college i did a master's degree um when i came out i kind of just was like you know i'm gonna work i'm gonna caddy work bathroom for a summer you know make a little bit of money and just kind of like breathe get away from the whole college golf aspect playing all the tournaments and most importantly, just have like a fun summer and then get into the fall and, you know, you know, figure out what I want to do. Um, and then the position opened up and I just was like, you know, I don't have a, you know, goal yet or know what I want to do. So, you know, this is going to give me a great opportunity to be able to, you know, still play, still practice, still be able to play in all these events. And I get to stay local with my family and whatnot. Um, so long-term, you know, I still have no idea. I mean, right now we're, <laughs> we're, we're right now we're nine days away from our Bristol, our every year member guests. So, um, you know, I, uh, 
I'm pretty focused on that right now in my own head. Um, but, you know, I, I was a marketing and uh, sport management major in college and then went and did a master's degree uh, in athletic leadership. Um, so coaching is definitely something that I'd like to do in the future. Um, not sure where, if it would be for golf or anything like that. Um, you know, probably in my later years. Um, but at the moment I, I still, I still have no clue, Mike. <laughs> yeah. And listen, and that's honest. And, and I think that's what people can relate to is that sometimes you just don't know. And, and, I know in the world we live and everybody's like, you got to have a decision. Like, what are you doing? What's the next step? But sometimes the, the true answer is like, I don't know yet. And and thankfully for someone like you in the position you're in, you're able to still work a full-time job and still do the things you love when it comes to the game of golf. So it's honest and it's mm -hmm. real. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, for sure. Yeah. So there's a couple of questions that Ryan and I like to end this thing on. And I always go first before he does, but I'm still tossing his two at you. Um, All right. But my question that I kind of normally end here with is like, obviously, our goal, Ryan and I, is as golfers here in the Garden State, is like to travel the state, to play golf, talk golf, and enjoy it as much as we can. Is there a certain course in the area, both a public and a private, that you would tell the audience, hey, listen, if you get an opportunity to go play this public spot, you got to go do it. And then when it comes to the private side, like, you got to drop what you're doing and you got to go. Now, before you answer, Madison mm -hmm. River's out because it's your home spot. So yeah. that's the, the bias out. And the other private that's out is Pine Valley, because I know that you've been fortunate to step on the grounds there, but the yep. vast majority of us, we're just going to have to keep vicariously living through people like you to get on that spot. Yep. So do you have a public and a private that you'd recommend? Um, so public for me, you know, I'm going to take Hal Park out of that as well because it's biased with with high school. Um, I would have to say Eagle Ridge. I think I, I think Eagle Ridge's links golf course that nine hole that nine holes is one of the best nine hole experiences that you can have at a public golf course in the state. Um, and even the other two nines, I mean the Pines and the uh, the Ridge the ridge are both phenomenal. I mean, if you went out there and play, like, it's a perfect day. If you go out there from dusk till dawn or whenever and you say, I'm playing all 27, you're going to go home that night and be like, you know, this for a public golf course is phenomenal. Like you could play that course any way you want and you'll never regret anything about it. Um, Private's tough because I've been very fortunate to be able to play a lot of these really good clubs. Someone um, extend you, someone extends you an invite, and you gotta say, "I I'm going. I'm never getting this invite again. I gotta go do it." I'd say Bayonne. I think Bayonne is one of the true. I played Bayonne a couple years ago. Um, I think it's one of the truest Lynx golf courses that I've ever played in, in the, uh, it's probably the only like, cause I definitely, it's probably the truest Lynx style golf course I've played in the country. Um, it's just everything about it, the, the views, you know, the city in the background, you just get this whole feeling that, you know, even the clubhouse, it's an old lighthouse, like 
everything about it is just so perfect and and mint. Um, so I would I, I would definitely say Bayon. It's so funny you say that because I say on this podcast so many times like that is my number one spot that I want to play that I've never played. And I throw this out there yeah. all the time. Like, Hey, listen, you, you know, I'll pay my own way. I'll pay the caddy. Like, I don't care. Like I want to play that spot more than any other, just because of the same reasons that you said. Yep. Yep. And the so, whole, it's one of those golf courses too. That's like just total experience. You know, you got the, they got the range in the water, you know, the parking lot is probably the size of my office, you know, you pull in, you're just like, whoa, like one of those breathtaking views at the top, like every single bit of it's just phenomenal. Yeah, it's, that's honestly what I see. It's what I read. And that's why I keep I keep throwing it out there like, hey, listen, you know, if you need a fourth, Mike Porter is available. Um, so the other question that Ryan likes to end with is is this one. And I got one after this, but I think I know the answer. But, you know, all golfers, I think, are a little superstitious by nature. We have X amount of tees that we put in our pocket. We use something specific here. You know, I even know some of the pros, Chris Dimmick doesn't like to tie his shoes before he gets started. Like, do you have any weird quirks or what some people like to call habits before you get going? I mean, I'll tell you something that's kind of weird is when I won the state am in 2020, I wore the same outfit every round. Every round? <laughs> I obviously washed it. My mother took care of that, but I wore the same shirt, same shorts, same belt, same shoes every single round. Every if you go back all, all four all all three days. Wow. <laughs> I don't I do that anymore. That. I did not know I that. Do... My mom, my mom was just like, You you played so good yesterday. I got to watch you played so good yesterday. You're not changing your outfit. I'm like well, that's a little weird. And she's like, you're not doing it. I'm washing it right now. So then I'm like, all right. And then I just got 68 in the third round. And then I picked out an outfit for the final round. She's like, are you crazy? <laughs> so it's funny. That's um, a good one. That's a good one. I, I did not know that. I would have, I mean, I, I guess I just saw the pictures from the last day and you just assume that you didn't yeah. wear the same thing, but man, that's a, that's an interesting little tick there. Um, the the, and crazy, then I think the I know... crazy thing is how I must miss my tea time in the first round if it wasn't for Ethan Wall. Wow. I showed up at my tea time. Right? Straight to the first day. I didn't know, but I show, I thought my tea time was 940. It was 840. I got there at 837, checked in, and the lady was like looking at me like I had 12 eyes. And, you know, Ethan was pulling up from the range, and he was like, dude, where have you been? And I was like, what? We're in off in an hour. He goes, no, we're on the tee right now. And then I went over to the guy and I was like, I'm at 940, not 840. He goes, no, you're on the tee box right now. I went over, hit two putts, no warm up, and went out there and shot 73. <laughs> 72. 72. 72. I, I honestly just pulled it up. You, you know, you were one under through five. Maybe you don't need yeah. practice. Yes. If we got to tell Chris, hey, listen, I don't need to practice. Do stay down. <laughs> That's what Dimmick does. Dimmick goes whenever he's playing, he hits three seven irons and walks to the first day. Got to love it. Got to love it. And then the, obviously the last <laughs> question here is, I, I think I yep. know the answer. But like obviously in New Jersey, there's a, a nice debate about what that breakfast meat is called when you put it on a sandwich. What do you call it? 
Corporal. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Yeah. It's, it's not it's in crazy. my opinion, it's not even a debate. It, listen, I second that. I second that. And what we're learning on here is when we ask everybody that question, pending again where you reside, we yeah. know what the answer is. It's it was like, what do we don't we maybe now we're learning that like if you live here, you call it tailor made a tailor hand. If you live down here, you call it corporal. So yeah. I agree with you. I support that, you know, and I back that. But listen, I, I appreciate you coming on here today. Um, you know, I appreciate you, you know, giving us a few of your your minutes over there at Madison River. And uh, listen, you're the odds on betting favorite at the state am. You know, your name is the one being tossed around as as we expect to see your name on the leaderboard. And I'm not trying to add any more pressure to you, but I know I've seen it firsthand what you can do. And and best of luck and go get it done, pal. I appreciate it, Mike. I really thanks for having me on. Happy we were able to reschedule after the last mishap in December. Sounds good, pal. All right, listen, <laughs> enjoy work and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> we'll do. You as well. Have a good one. Yeah.